0: With Bob. Welcome to Breakfast with Bob. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by the professional Triathletes organization. That's the PTO by AMP Human, VeloFix, Normatec, Form Goggles, You Can and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. We just sent out 3,921 grants, totaling $5.9 million to keep challenged athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, the most recent inductees, well, actually two years ago, inductees into the Ironman Triathlon Hall of Fame. Scott is an inductee into the USA Triathlon Hall of Fame, and Aaron is an inductee into every Hall of Fame that New Zealand has ever created. Scott Malina and Aaron Baker join us from New Zealand. How are you guys doing?
1: We're good. We're very good. But we are in um, Australia at the moment. You're what?
0: Oh, yeah. You're, are you down in Noosa?
1: Yes. Yes. We're stuck here. Uh, well, oh, shouldn't, shouldn't say stuck, but yeah, we, we can't we can't go back to New Zealand just yet.
0: Now, what brought you to? Were you down there doing a camp or something?
1: No, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no. We don't we don't do camps anymore. We were we were coming here for a holiday when when the shit hit the fan, uh, yeah. and and so we were we were going to be here for two weeks, and then uh, after you know about ten days, all the flights were canceled and uh that was it it was it was no, no going back really and still it's still that way to to a large degree you you can go back now if you accept that you have to go to a a quarantine hotel for two weeks prior to going home yeah. so anyway until until they lift that restriction we're just going to stay put here
0: And there's nothing wrong with Nusa, right no <laughs> no it's it's pretty good it's a great place to train we had a Sarah Crowley was on a couple of weeks ago and just saying there's great places to swim and ride and there's trails and it's, it sounds like heaven.
1: Yeah, and it's, and you you wouldn't you wouldn't think the, the this corona thing was uh, that big of a deal here. You don't see masks, you know. Uh, it's it's the every, the restaurants have just opened up again and so it's it's pretty relaxed here really. But
2: but haven't that they have zero cases, they have zero community transmission and they have no bubbles anymore. So they've, they've wiped it out. So you can't go to New South Wales, for example. We couldn't go down to Sydney and come back. Because Australia is like America in that regard where it has its own states. Right. Governed by their own governors, per se. And so the New South Wales still has cases. So if you go to New South Wales, you're not allowed to come back into Queensland. That
0: is wild. So, so good. Going back a little bit, going back a few years, Aaron, <laughs> growing up in New Zealand, what were you primarily runner early on? What was your what were your early sports?
2: Um, we were always we were swimmers prim- primarily because my father helped, as you did in those days, build the first swimming pool in a place called Kaipui. and it was just a you know a pretty rudimentary pool, you know, dug it out and fill it with concrete, and by virtue of that, I think you either got you know, because you helped, you got free swimming or free swimming lessons. I can never remember having lessons, but we all just swam. And then because we were such a lot of girls in our family, was we were six, that our parents just decided, I think my father, that if we, he wanted to keep us out of trouble, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, and all the stuff kids get up to. And so we all just swam. And so we swam to varying degrees. My, my sister was, a, you know, a pretty good swimmer. She was sort of Commonwealth Sub Olympic level, but good level, and that's what we did. We were swimmers.
0: And, and when did uh, when did you first find out about this crazy sport of triathlon?
2: Well, I actually found out quite early because there was a there's a big gym organisation, in New Zealand. My sister still works for Les Mills, and now it's an international company. And they were the gym owners were actually Olympians themselves. He was a javelin and a shot putter and blah blah blah. And um, they we just started hearing about. Big Four, to be honest, that was what it was, and very early on in the piece, maybe what early, very early eighties. Yeah, we um, they started putting on um, triathlons in New Zealand, and um, and in fact, Alison Rowe was going in them as well.
0: Yes, she was.
2: So, and then it wasn't that long after that Australia sort of probably the same time hooked into a triathlon, but um, in the interim, I was a runner, so then I became a sort of a kid runner. And I think, did I represent New Zealand? Can't remember. Yeah. No, but I was pretty good. You know, I was a, a good runner, won all the local stuff. So that, you know, running was then my thing. And um, yeah, triathlon seemed easy to get into.
0: And for you, Scott, you were, you cross, you were a cross country guy, right, through high school.
1: Yes, yeah, so a similar story to her. You know, I was a summer kid first. Uh, basketball junkie but and and then started uh, when I got cut from uh, my freshman year I didn't make the basketball team <laughs> which was the biggest disappointment in my life still to this day. You sound like Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah, oh
2: we love that series. Was that amazing? Fantastic.
1: We ripped through that I loved it. <laughs> no one of my heroes. Anyway um, so so that yeah so I became a a, a tra- track and cross-country kid in high school and so you know when I graduated in high school in 78. So right about that time, you know, I'd sort of heard of triathlon and it was a natural fit for me.
0: And during high school, when you were running cross country, weren't you running against a guy named Bob Roll?
1: Yeah, Bob and I butted heads a lot. Uh, (laughs) He he was actually, he was better than me in track. He was a good 800, 1500 meter guy. And and I was about equal with him in uh, cross country. But then we went to, junior college together at Las Menas College in Pittsburgh. And so we were teammates uh, tracking cross country for two years there. And that's when I really got to know Bob. We became really good friends then.
0: Well, and that's, is that when you guys started riding, doing the long rides together?
1: Yeah, just at the end of that, he, well, he, he had no car. So he was, <laughs> he was riding his bike to and from school, to and from jobs. And you, you had know.
2: a green one, right?
1: I, my, I, yeah, I inherited my, 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 dad's old gremlin that my brother Mark destroyed before I got it. And so, uh, so Bob and I would go to, to running events, cross, uh, road races, yeah. uh, cross country races and stuff. And so, um, uh, then he got into cycling in a big way, just decided that was going to be his thing, you know? And, uh, and so he just said, Melina, you know, you've got to get into cycling and you, you should, you should do triathlon. And so he, he just dragged me around for about, a year or two years before I uh, even did my first triathlon.
0: What I love is back then there was no such thing as polypro or you know or anything to keep you warm. Was it your mom's sweaters or was it bobby's mom's sweaters that you guys wore? Well, first we first got the idea of that at an op shop when we I
1: forget where we were. We were about 50 miles from home, and it was pouring rain and. Freezing ass and and we're like we're gonna die out here. And what are we gonna do? And, he, and Bob says Let's just go to the op shop man and just see what they've got, you know, and so we got some sweaters and uh, I think they're about 50 cents each and uh, After that, you know, we're just like these things work, you know, and so yeah, my mom had a big old collection of cashmere sweaters uh, under bed she was kind of a cashmere junkie actually. Yeah, and so I said, Mom, you know, what are you going to do with She goes, just take whatever you want. And so I got a couple for me, a couple for Bob, and we were all set.
0: You guys were out riding in your mom's sweaters.
2: Yeah. It was funny when Scott's 50th, because Scott Tinley presented him with this sweater vest. Oh. had all sorts of logos he obviously stitched on or just pinned on, and you know, because I guess that was one of your things that, that you became known as it. So he just presented Scott with his, you know, yellow sweater vest. Right? And this is Beautiful. Your, your normal attire. He still <laughs> got it, of course.
0: So uh, both you guys, so early early 80s for you, Scott, with you're up in Pittsburgh, California, you're flipping burgers at Kmart. And you, 1980, the Ironman for first time airs on ABC Wild World of Sports. And you'd been racing these little Basically, swim-run events against this guy named Dave Scott, and you're watching Wide World of Sports while this guy who you were beating is winning the Ironman. What were your thoughts when you watched that?
1: Well, I I thought it was it was an amazing event for one thing. You know, um, I I had done an uh, an ultra marathon prior to that. I'd done a lot of marathons actually in my teens, 19, 20 years old. So. So I thought I could, I could do it. But then when I saw Dave uh, winning this thing, I thought, geez, I've beaten this guy. You know, I, I think I can do this, too. And it was just it was a revelation. And, and you'll know, you know, ABC Wild World of Sports back then. Oh, huge. Was, it was huge. That was way before ESPN or, or, right. or just about any other uh, sports television, really, other than you know, football, basketball, baseball. So that was a big deal that to be, to see the Ironman on ABC Wild World of Sports. So it left a huge impact on me.
0: Well, and that got you to the 81 race. Yes. right. You come That's over true. 81 and this is the year John Howard, the year before they had finished like third or fourth, swam an hour and 50 minutes, got caught up in the coral, <laughs> ran over four hours and came back on a mission, right? He was going to win the race. But if, if Dave Scott ran like a duck, John Howard's form wasn't a hell of a lot better. So you're doing this Ironman thing, and do you remember seeing him during the marathon?
1: For sure, yeah. I, I saw him, you know, I was pulling into transition. He was, he was running out. Yeah. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't that far behind, you know. And um, I think I was in about third or fourth or fifth, I forget. But, but no, I, when I was running for the first 15 miles – I thought, I, I think I can catch this guy. I think I can actually win this race. And then three, four miles later, you know, I was flat on the pavement in a ball, in a ball of cramp.
0: <laughs> Skin peeling off like a lizard. Oh, and,
1: yeah. Yeah. No that, no, that was a big uh, slice of humble pie I got that day. That's and,
0: So, Aaron, were you getting the, those, those telecasts in New Zealand of this Ironman thing? Did that appeal to you at all back then?
2: Um, I, we weren't getting telecasts for sure. Um, we didn't get that, but um, and no, it never appealed to me. In fact, when I found out about it, I thought that it was absolutely ridiculous, and I knew I, I said to myself, I won't do that. You know, that even when I was a triathlete, yeah. I, I won't do that. It's crazy. I'm not doing that. Um,
0: Scott kind of the it. same way. One time, what was that? he told me Scott told me the same thing. Is like uh, when I asked him why he was focusing so much on the shorter distance races. And not doing Kona he's like listen if you've been there it's a really crappy way to spend the day that's a, that's a long that's a long way <laughs> fortunately after the 82 race they launched that United States triathlon series and now Scott at that point had you been become part of the team Jay David or did that come a little later
1: that came a little bit later I think um, the very first uh, Nice triathlon was in about end of October of 82 yeah and so and so I had raced the, the USTS series that year. I think there was only three races that very first year, all in California. So I had met um, George Hoover, got to know Mark Allen a little bit, and um, and it was actually in Nice. It was just after Nice, actually, where George Hoover and, and the J. David crew said, "Hey, we're gonna, you know, get our build our team. Would you would you think about moving down to San Diego?" And you know, I I, it, I thought about it for two seconds. <laughs> Um, but, but I was married and had a father-in-law who, at the time who, who who wasn't that convinced that there was such a great idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now how
1: are you going to support the family? That's right, yeah. yeah. Like, he, yeah, he, he, I remember having a conversation. He said, well, has anybody ever made a living doing what you're, what you're thinking about doing? And I said, not yet. And he, and he said, well, so you might be the first person to ever have this job? I said, well, yeah, if everything works out. Uh, Yeah, sort of. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you're, you, you, you moved down to Del Mar and you've got a little condo there and you must have been thinking life is pretty sweet. I get to swim, bike and run for a living.
1: Yep. Yep. I couldn't believe uh, how wonderful it all was, you know, and and I, I, I was training with Tinley and Mark Allen and George Hoover, Gary Peterson. And it was just, it was just the best group of people. You know, I, yeah, I was loving it, loving it.
0: And, and Aaron, during that period of time or during your, the, the, that period, um, were you focusing more on running, swimming? Were you thinking Olympics at all?
2: No, no, I mean, I really then, I got into a job, I had a career, I actually came to Australia to work. Um, and radiography practice and so radiology practice. And so I wasn't thinking it at all. Um, you know, that I don't, I'd never expected. I mean, I, I remember watching Alison Rowe win the New York marathon and thinking, wow. And then she I think she subsequently won Boston. I thought, you know, I, this is amazing. I, I want to be like that. And But I remember vocalizing that when I was working, taking x-rays and people looking at me sideways. And, but then I, you know, came basically just sort of rounded out and got fatter and came to Australia and worked in in a job but I got a I decided to get a bike and um, about then there was sort of a lot of starting to be a lot of recognition about triathlon Mm -hmm. and I lived right in the center of Sydney and people would just bike around the park just like laps after laps and I've always been a little bit pragmatic and I thought my goodness this is really stupid um, so I got a bike, and, and I worked a long way from the centre of Sydney, um, a place called Randwick, out, out where um, Welshie used to actually live. Yep. And I used to bike to and from work every day, which was about, well, not that far, but it was about 30k. And But, you know, I was thinking they stupid going around around Central Park, and I was biking on the biggest, almost freeway in Australia to get to work every day. And not thinking that was stupid. I mean, you wouldn't be able to ride on that road anymore. And and when I felt particularly disgusted at my little fat self, you know, I'd leave my bike at work and then I'd run home along the same freeway, basically, 30k home. And I wasn't an athlete at all. And um, But then I just kept doing that. And an event came up called the Royal National Park Triathlon in Sydney, or just outside of Sydney. And I thought, I can do that. I think I can do that. I did it and won it. So... That was the start of. You
0: know, <laughs> that I, was your first race. Yeah. And you won it?
2: Yeah. It was quite a long race. It was more like half distance.
0: Yeah. And super hard. God, the hills there are brutal.
2: I didn't know this, of course.
0: Yeah. Obviously, didn't matter. All I remember, because at that time, um, when we first started hearing your name, it was over, you know, winning Nice and, and winning some of the big events in Europe, but you weren't racing here in the States. So we yeah. didn't, you know, it was like, wait till Aaron Baker comes over to Hawaii. Wait till she's going to, she's going to kill everybody. Uh, did you were racing at that point? We had Colleen Cannon and Joy Hanson and Joan Hanson. A lot of the top women were American athletes. Hmm. And did you, when was the first time you got to race some of the, the bigger named athletes to get a sense of where you stood?
2: Well, I, after I won that race, I won a couple more in Australia. Um, and then I actually heard about this race. You know, it was an Ironman in, um, what was it called that place? Foster, Foster Kung, Kung Curry area. Yeah, Foster, yeah. And, and um, I thought, goodness, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I can do that. And I rang some guy I knew from here in New Zealand. And I said, hey, you know, would you sponsor me? Would you give me a ticket home and back, like back to Christchurch? Yeah. Because I sort of knew John so I thought that's a good place to train, maybe back in Christchurch. And Make a long story short, so I came to that event. And I raced the Pontus Twins there for sure. Yeah. And I can't remember everyone else. I should, but, you know, I'm not as clear on anything. I know Mark Allen was there, and I can't remember what happened to you. you and Scott Tinley. I wasn't a, there. It was a debacle because these guys are, you know, soft as. <laughs> and uh, the water was really cold that day. And so they're all trying to put on wetsuits in the middle of the lake. And um, I'm nice and chubby and not well-rounded. <laughs> and I didn't think it was cold. So, you know, um, Anyway, to make a long story short, I, I beat um, both Sylviane and Patricia in that event, and maybe a few others, and that was sort of the beginning of races, then Australia started coming, sorry, Americans started coming to Australia to race, right.
0: because
2: Australia got really into it. I mean, that race in itself had $12,000, I just thought I was rich, yes. and um, then there were those. With a series in Australia, and then Scott started coming to more of them, and Colleen came to one of them, and so I met her at an event, one of those events in Sydney where we, you know, had meant to stop at traffic lights and all sorts of things, and but there was quite a scene going on then in Australia, um, and that's when I was sort of becoming more full time, and then John Hellman's got me a contract, or sort of no, not got me a contract. He said, "Come to Europe. You should go to Europe and, and race and." That's when I got hooked up with the Coxsportee. team. that
0: was a great sponsor.
2: Oh, you wouldn't, you don't know how great. But
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll make her um,
1: shorten this story because she could talk about it for, for ages as you've already just experienced. But she, 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 she couldn't come to the America's race. She would have, but she couldn't get a visa. She was barred, she was a banned,
0: person who had protested against apartheid or something yes, like that
1: yes yes yeah. and so she couldn't she couldn't actually um get yeah. a visa so tell tell bob what happened he'll he'll probably remember when you tell him
2: well i can't remember the guy's name but
1: bob bob Bright. Bob Wright
2: yes. rings me one day i mean i've been trying to get visas my mum knew some people used to look somebody in new zealand that she knew was in the senator's office yeah. Blah blah. nothing worked and then one day bob Wright just rings me and i'm in france and he goes so you want to come to the I man i'm like well, yeah, that'd be great, but I can't come. He said, right, okay. And I get a call, and it's like, you can come now. It was as simple as that. I don't know who he knew and what he did.
0: But then that whole thing turned out to be a Chicago bit thing. Chicago Marathon, bad. and then he yeah. was the coordinator for the Ironman, the athlete coordinator, getting everybody trying to build the best fields possible. And you don't have a great field unless you've got Paul nuby Frazier and the Punto's Twins and Aaron Baker on the starting line.
2: Yeah, but he must have pulled some figures with the State Department or something, <laughs> you, know? you know. I don't
0: know. It. So what was the first year that you came over to Kona?
2: I don't oh, know. I'm not good with dates.
0: But you didn't win the first one that you came over. It
2: must have been maybe 86. Yeah, and, and then you was came in
0: 87 and won.
2: Yes, so 86 was a disaster. And, and I think that was also the year Lecox Sportif did a big promotion on me from yeah. east to Hawaii. And I spent a lot of money. And everybody was around me, the, the Coxsport team, everybody team. You know, I was almost then as big as the sort of Yannick Noah was for them, you know. And then, so Nice, I got disqualified, and, and Hawaii, I bummed out. And so I was like, oh, God, that was a lot of wasted money on me.
0: <laughs> oh, my Not God, that's bad. a lot of pressure.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, it was.
0: Well, in 86 was a year that uh, I think Patricia won and was disqualified, and Paula got the win. Right, that was '86, and then '87. Yeah, Paula. Um, I, Paula was was ahead, and you you. That was the first year that uh, I think a woman ran the entire marathon, because women at that point, the Punto sisters would run three ten, walking through the aid stations. Yes. And they would stop automatically at the aid stations, and as they a stopped at the aid station, Paula stretching and looking looking under her leg and seeing Aaron Baker run by her. And note to self: I don't think she ever, you know, ever walked through an aid station again.
2: No, I think that was the end of the walking era. Yeah, yeah, it changed,
0: it changed but it. but
1: you know what, Bob? What's interesting about that? It really reflecting back about yes. the, the Puntus twins. Yeah, with twenty with twenty walk breaks, they still yes. ran three ten. Isn't that amazing? They, those women could run. Yes. They were really they were they were really really tough athletes, and uh, so it was. Um, it was uh, a great era to, to see the women battle it out uh, back in those days.
0: So first ever for you, Scott, first ever USTS race uh, in 1982 at Torrey Pine State Beach. And, you know, we always talk about because it's, you know, the big four, basically, Dave Scott wins, Scott Molina second, Scott Tidley third, Mark Allen fourth. They're basically, the big four were the big four that day. And there's a point you're running along. and. Did you did, you didn't really you knew Tinley but you didn't really know him. I think you might have raced him a couple times, uh, but but he stopped and he didn't stop. But he's like introduced himself during the run.
1: <laughs> that that is correct. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think I I may have raced raced him once in Kona with the year I dropped out maybe yeah. or or maybe before that after that. But yeah, he did. We're running along and we were cranking. I mean, we we're going about five ten a mile, and he. He, he was very casual. acting like he wasn't even breathing. It's like, hey, hi, Melina, I heard about you. Hi, Timmy. He reaches out. He reaches out yeah. his hand, and I think I actually did shake his hand because yeah. it would have been rude not to. But uh, but I was thinking, man, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna pummel me. He's not even breathing. Of course, I dropped I, I dropped him with a quarter mile to go.
0: <laughs> okay, so bragging. How many times do you think you raised that guy?
1: In your career, uh, I would say between sixty and eighty.
0: And you guys would go out when you go out and play tennis the day after after doing an Ironman together.
1: Yeah, we did quite a few. I remember Japan in particular, um, and uh, I don't even remember the results of that race, but <laughs> but you um, do remember the
0: tennis game. Did you win?
1: Yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a, a good ding dong battle in the tennis the day after. Yeah, <laughs> and we were just hanging we were just hanging out, drinking beer, and waiting for the awards. So yeah. We, we did that a few times, yeah.
0: So, Aaron, I can imagine you and Paula having a race and then hanging, having a few beers together and then playing tennis the next day. Yeah. Chatted about it before, it was just different. The guys seemed like they could race each other, try to kill each other, and yeah. then shake hands and go out. For the women, it was a different Yeah.
2: Game. Well, yeah, and you know, interestingly, it was, when I went to running races, it was exactly the same. You know, I remember going to running races and yeah. I'd never see a woman, right? I'd never, you know, you had no breakfast, dinner, anywhere. And yet you'd go downstairs and you'd be, Robert D. Costello would be there and, you know, Alberta Salazar, all these, and they'd, they'd be hanging out. They really would. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's just a different female psyche. I mean, the one-eyed person I could always hang out with was Colleen Cannon. Yes. I just... Just don't, she was just, I don't know, different. And um, I was just serious, but women are serious. Maybe it's just the way it was and maybe it still is the way it is. But yeah, these guys were lucky and I see it in all sorts, you know, you see now with all the people online, the Federer's and the this and the Dell's and they chatting away, let's have a match. And this, you don't really see it from the woman.
0: No, no, you really don't. So, Scott, you, that era with you and Tinley and Mark Allen, you guys are training pretty much you know, a number of times a week together. What did you gain from that, from, from training with – you're training with the best guys in the world, and you all happen to be on the same team. What did you guys gain from, from that time together?
1: Well, mostly it was easier to get the work done, right? Because you, you, you knew they were going to show up, and they were going to be hammering. Right. And so all you really – if, if you got there – you know in the morning or the afternoon or whatever session it was sometimes several times a day with those guys you know you knew you you were going to get some solid training done and and that just added up over time right and uh, but there was no animosity if if you got dropped you got dropped you know if one guy was killing it that day then then that's it you know and um but you also saw the human side you know i i, I a lot of people never saw mark allen you know Crumbling, you know. I saw him crumbling and training all the time. You know, the guy, the guy, the guy got injured. He got sick, and so you got to see that on a bad day, you could beat the guy. You know, and same with Timley. And so it, that did give me tremendous confidence uh, in races.
0: I remember Dave Scott saying that, you know, yeah, those guys are training together, and that might be helpful because they're pushing each other, but. The disadvantage is, is they they know each other's weaknesses, and none of them know mine, because right. I'm training. I'm in I'm solitary confinement here, training on my own, and they don't really know me. Do you you think that was true? I
1: do, I do. I think there was this this. Mick, Mick, I got to remember, he, Dave did win the Ironman every time he went. Every time, yeah. every time he lined up on the start line. So, um, so yeah, he did have an air of invincibility because we never saw him suffer. You know, we never we never saw him in pain. We never saw him fail you know, only time we saw him, he was kicking our ass. So yeah, that, that, it was, it was easy to believe the guy was way stronger than us.
0: When did you realize that maybe the heat of Kona was going to be a problem for you, right? Because you you were one of those guys, you dominated and you, you raced against those guys all the time. You trained with them every day, but you know, you go for a run and Tinley's got a spot of sweat, and you're ringing out your shirt, sure. and then you're having to race for eight hours in Kona. When did you realize, you know what? Maybe this race isn't really suited for me.
1: Well, after that first time I dropped out, then uh, in a ball of cramp, I that was that was probably the very first time I thought this because that was my first time to Hawaii as well. Yeah. That, that in those conditions, you know, um, I'm probably not suited to this. And then that was just reinforced over and over again and again and again, like. You know, Tinley, if, if we raced four hours or less uh, in the heat, you know, yeah. especially two hours or less, you know, I, I'd almost always be able to deal with him. But if it was more than four hours in the heat, he'd beat me every single time. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just relearned that lesson over and over and over during the years. That's why I loved the, the races like World's Toughest in the mountains, you know, where it was cool or cold. Um, there were so many cool events that I could do. So I, I, I tried to focus on those.
0: Aaron, you were, you were so versatile because you're, you're winning things like the Big 7 miler, you ran some fast marathons, you've won the Ironman twice. What do you think was your best distance?
2: Um, I don't know what was my best distance, but I loved Nice the most. Yeah. Just so the, the variety,
0: the, the climbing. Well, yeah, the,
2: like, it, it was everything. It had the, you know, I loved climbing on the bike. Yeah. you know i think i've always felt very comfortable and strong in the mountains um so that was brilliant it it was you know the run was a, a good length i mean it was like 30k you can almost go harder and faster you know a marathon you're starting to know that you got i don't know you know you got a long way to go yeah so i don't know i mean i you know I ran some really good sh- short track times, you know, for 5 and 10 Ks. But um, I, anyway, I don't know what I would have been best at, but I certainly loved Nice the most.
0: And, Aaron, when, you're, when did you feel like it was time to move on with a, a, from an athlete to a, to a career, to another career, because you had a career before that?
2: Yeah, um, look, I, when I was coming back from Europe, um, prior, what year would that have been? That was... When we met? Yeah.
0: 90, right?
2: Yeah, oh, okay. about 88-ish. Yeah, um, I was sort of over it then, to be honest. I mean, I enjoyed what I was doing, but I spent a lot of time by myself, and especially in Europe, of course. You know, it's um, language barriers and all of that. And so I really just trained and ate and went to sleep for, you know, several years. That's how I lived my life. And it wasn't till and I was actually on my way home to retire then, um, but slipped into this event in, where was it? In, uh Utah. Utah. Um, where I met Scott and Colleen Cannon and Colleen Cannon says well here's a ticket go back to Boulder you know and um, that's what happened and I went back to Boulder and Scott taught me how to try and enjoy the sport he, tra- he taught me how to try and enjoy my day I mean I still he still didn't he still drove me nuts in some respects because I'm so I, I want to get it done right I want to swim white run and be finished and then I want to go to shops and I want to go out for dinner and I want to do a, hap- a normal life yeah, and he still was like, you know, he he just get up. You think it's dinner time, and he goes out running again. <laughs> so, or, um, so, but that's what he taught me. I started to get some real enjoyment, and I loved boulder. Yeah, I really loved boulder, and I, so I started to just look at. He he always say, look at something else. Look at some other reason you're doing this. You know, health, fitness, great lifestyle. You're making money. And, um, so
0: that,
2: and then after um, Miguel, when we made you know, obviously chose to have our children and. I thought that's it I'm done that's great Um, Reebok sort of came and enticed me with a pretty good contract to do Hawaii again and so that's why I did Um, but I I was really done about that time and I think that same year just one very quick story was we were staying at Timley's place to do a USTS and um, I just said to Scott it was meant to get up go and do the race and I was like I'm not getting out of bed I'm not going I'm done and that was sort of it
0: that was it just, you're it supposed to go to do the race and you were like, yep. done, drop yep. the microphone. No reason. Yep. Yeah, I'm I like that. So 1988, Scott finally wins the Ironman. And I remember talking to you leading in and asking the type of training you guys are doing in Palm Springs. And the line was, I'd like to tell you, but I'd like you to think that I'm a fairly intelligent human being. <laughs> <laughs> you had to do different type of training because of your problem handling the heat, right? So and needing more salt, and because you were doing that, Aaron was doing that. <laughs> Probably took something out of Aaron's race that year, but it, just the type of training you were doing there. just give us a sense of what you guys were doing. Out and well, I,
1: I know I rode over 1,100 miles in 12 days oh. there, and and including. Wow including a 183 miler, uh, uh, out into the Borrego desert. And one of them where I probably ruined Aaron's race was a, tr- a ride around the Salton sea, 160 miler. And, um, because she, you know, remember she had just come off Nice and she yeah. ripped that thing to bits, you know, right? probably her best run ever. In in my opinion, she ran two Oh three for 20 miles. It was oh that year, 32 K that year. Yeah. And, uh, and I think the, only, only Rob Burrell and I were faster on the day than her. And um, but anyway, so uh, so yeah, I, I I definitely cooked her in Palm Springs, ruined her race. And uh, but I did get myself fit. Um, right. And yeah, yeah, we we were often running in the in the heat of the day, 110 degrees, um, 10, 12 milers, track repeats. They had a grass track there in Palm Desert, and I remember running out there doing mile reps in about five, ten and it was 112 degrees and uh how much you know, water just, were
0: you drinking oh my
1: god you know just buckets and buckets of water yeah
2: you used to get those big what do you call them the gallons
1: what, the, one gallon, gallon water one, one gallon. you go into a, a 7-eleven and they had a uh, p- fruit punch by the gallon it was oh yeah, just yeah, sugar yeah. Water. it was just sugar water so uh, i i had to put one of those on my arrow bars remember the first uh, <laughs> scott dh bars yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. and i I just put the jug right there, wedge it into my handlebars. Cause that's how much fluid we needed before the next stop, which might be two hours away.
0: So what did you do on race day when you're, you know, you've got a, you need more salt than the other guys. Well, how much salt do you
2: with salt a lot. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I, I did have, before uh, Vinu came along with fuel belt, um, yeah. I, I had a, it looked like a homemade, uh Jed Clampett uh water bottle system. (laughs) And it had it had two full water bottles on a belt behind my back and I left that in transition and I drank that both those big salty bottles in the first 15 miles of the marathon. And then just jumped the belt. So yeah, I, I I was I was I was as ready for that race as I could be, that's for sure.
0: And in that race, I know Grip had a couple flats and but and Mike Pig was 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 strong that day if he was ever going to win the Ironman that was the day for pig right yeah. and you you held on man you, you like what right around 302 for the marathon and in that heat when you uh were, how worried were you about about pig when you saw him out on the marathon course
1: well I had I had a, I had a, quite a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about pig at that <laughs> point because in in 87 yeah I had take, I had taken. I was second behind Mike in seven different races, yes. right? Yeah. And, the and then in the beginning of 88, we went to St. Croix and he ripped us to bits and took all the premiums, took all the money. And uh, so I thought, this has got to stop, you know. Uh, he, he, and so, and so when, when, uh, when, we, when we did toe the line in uh, 88, I thought, I didn't know. One thing on my mind was, I'm not going to let Pig beat me. You know, and and that that did keep me going, um, you know, all the way to the finish that day.
0: Because you're you're probably thinking either get me early so I can drop out or or let me win.
1: I did. There was was a a 20-mile stretch of that race where I was in the lead thinking I really want to drop out, but I can't because I'm in the lead, you know. And so I was thinking just pass me, pig, and get this over with, and I'll get the hell out of here.
0: So, Aaron, was there a point on that? You must have seen him because you you ended up taking second that day. So, when you see him leading, were you surprised?
2: I'll, I'll be honest and say I can't even remember. But there's uh, undoubtedly I would have been surprised because yes. you know the whole salt thing, the whole he just couldn't do it. So, right. um, but you know, I, I would have been in my own pain doing my yes. own game. You know, so yes. I didn't take that much notice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah. And that was the year Paula like finished eleventh overall and went nine oh one and you know, again, you guys could not be friends. I don't know that we talked about it before the photo shoot we did with the two of you. Yeah, yeah. Was, was there was the the icy ice it was yeah. icicles hanging in the room yeah, yeah, during that yeah. photo shoot because I don't think you guys said a word to each other for no. three hours. I mean
2: that's that's the thing in the whole lot I wish I could have changed, but I, it, I couldn't have been me if I was different. That's sort of the way I I am. I mean, I've obviously tried to mellow in my life and I have a lot of great friends, but, you know, that was the part, the camaraderie that, not you know, I, I don't think I was probably the only woman like that, but um, it would have been nice to have the camaraderie that the guys had and be able to let your shield down, but I'm just not so sure. I mean, I'd love to hear examples of women that do that. Um, yeah. Top woman, you know, if it's... If there's any that have been able to go, hey, you know, it's okay, you know, you beat me in the Wimbledon final, let's, you know, let's have a glass of wine. I just don't think it happens.
0: So watching the two of you, watching you and Paula at the Ironman parade two years mm. ago, just like walking and chatting like people who've been friends their whole life, it just must be such a nice thing to have that veil gone. You're not racing each other anymore. You can actually appreciate each other.
2: Look, you can't believe what an amazing day that was for me and how it was like, oh, I mean, I even feel it like now because I was a little nervous about the whole thing. Yeah. And um, basically, we've got to go to this parade and, you know, that's all good. And, and I didn't even, we were like, maybe late or anyway, we just walk out on the street and it's pouring down. I like, yes. oh, you know? And I had not walked 10 steps, I think, out from a hotel and along comes Paula she got an umbrella and she just sort of goes hi and I just how can she even be so nice to me I'm such a bitch <laughs> and, um and I just really enjoyed that entire experience and that the way Paula was just so open and you know I mean I, th- I felt that I don't know that I could have been the one to initiate it the way she did and maybe it just collided and it happened and maybe she took a big breath and thought, here I go. But I don't think so. I think she's had a lot more interactions with other female triathletes over the years and I have, but that was, you know, it was a veil lifted from me that day. And I, you know, if it hadn't been for Paula in that moment, I'm not so sure how I would have been able to enjoy that experience the way I did.
0: So when you look back, Erin, at your best race, do you look at it as at that, that Nice race where you ran what 202 203 off the
2: bike um yeah that that's that's probably one of the probably the best yeah i mean um i knew i was running like a you know that that was a period where i knew i could have been a marathon i i actually ran two or three days before that with um my Lecoq Sportif contact guy who was actually a french marathon champion and you know he's like you you'd you know, you, are, you should be a marathoner now. Um, so that, that, that was one of those days. I, I had other days where, you know, I'm running out the front, and I would honestly just think, I'm going Greta Waits today. I'm Ingrid Christensen. But by virtue of time, that obviously event, and also the time that I felt like that also was in Penticton in Canada.
0: I was going to say I remember in Canada, where you were pretty yeah. far back off the bike and had an amazing run.
2: Yeah, and that was, you know, I, I felt the same. You, you feel like you're in a different place. You just feel like your body is can just keep going and go faster, and, and you're loving it. It's just like pushing and pushing, and it's easy. I mean, that was a crazy day, because, you know, I wasn't even trying to win to start with. I was just trying to try some drinks out for the Ironman.
0: Yeah, and I remember I'm sure that
2: day Paula just thought I'd been on the truck, on the TV camera truck or something. Right. I must have cheated, because... She got off the bike like fifteen minutes ahead of me.
0: Yes, she she said that when you came by her, she just was dumbstruck. She had no idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone could run that fast. I think did you have the like the fastest or the second fastest run of the day overall? Something like that. It was the fastest, wasn't it?
2: No, Scott was the fastest in the two forty eight, and I did two forty nine.
0: Yeah, if Scott had first. You had second. That's right. Yeah, that's so cool. Scott, what was what was the best? the race that meant the most to you? Was it the, the Ironman win or was it a different race?
1: Um, probably the, the, the first time I won World's Toughest.
0: Yeah.
1: For two reasons. One is because I was just so happy in the mountains. I thought, you know, this is, this is my calling in life. Yes. And then the second thing was uh, Charlie Lincoln, the race director, handed me 100, $100 bills in a white envelope, <laughs> 10 grand in cash. And uh, I remember, I just turned 24, I think, at the time. And uh, I was thinking, okay, this, this is my best day of my life, perhaps, you know.
0: That is so cool. Yeah. And, and Aaron, I know you're involved with, with the PTO, right, with the Pro Triathletes Organization?
2: Yes, yeah, that's um, been humbling. I mean, it's, I, I don't even know how I got picked to be a team captain. I mean, I was humbled by it, I just, because it's, you know, it's not as if I'm involved in triathlon from day to day. Right. Um, so it's had two false starts, of course, you know, um, which is a shame. But it's obviously very, very strong. And it's doing great things for the, the sport and for the pro athletes. I think it's amazing what they're doing. It really um, it's great that there's a little bit more, you know, looking at the future of athletes in it. So, yeah, I look forward to that race kickstarting next year. <laughs>
0: So will you be coming to uh, that challenge Daytona race uh, if they let you out of the country? Look, I,
2: I think this is going to be the big problem. No, the travel okay. is just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Not until yeah. next year, probably.
2: New Zealand's not going to let Americans into our country for a long time. And if I go to America, they're not going to let me back.
0: Right. Uh, Scott, what are you doing now training wise? You're still training a lot every day?
1: I work out. I don't call it training. Training is when you're aiming to race, but right. Uh, so you're not racing. Well, I've had a knee oh, problem. Racing like
0: me, man. You'll be racing forever.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I I I take part in events. Yes, that's it. Right. Right. So uh, you could you could, I guess you could say it's yes racing, Rating. but it's it's semantics anyway. Yes, I, I work out way more than is sensible or way more than is healthy for me. Um, and I still do about fifteen, twenty hours a week, all the time.
0: Yeah, but that's half of what you used to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> easy, easy. Aaron, how about you? You still work out? Yeah,
2: yeah, I, 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 I like you know. I do. I swim most days, you know. But then we can when we're here. I mean, I, I do a for a woman my age who's not an athlete anymore. I do. I work out a lot. So, and now because. We got nothing to do all day.
1: Uh, <laughs> she she still rides the bike like the wind. She can still crank it on the bike. She can still zoom on her bike.
2: Anyway, so we 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 do more than we should. I probably do you know three hours a day. Um, and I that's why I can't be able to go back to New Zealand and be locked in a hotel. I mean, I'd kill Scott first, and then I'd probably you know kill myself.
0: <laughs> Te- Scott, for in terms of technology, is there any what what did are- what do you wish you might have had back in the day what would you be using if it was there in the 80s and 90s
1: um you know i'm i i'm not sure that that the technology part of it would ever suited my personality um and i'm not sure it would have been an advantage for me you know it probably would have been more of a limitation uh for me than an advantage um you know i used to even when all the new stuff has evolved over the year, I keep reflecting back, you know, that Greg Lamont never had it. Eddie Merckx never had it. Right. Rob Castella never had it. Salazar never had it. I mean, Frank Shorter never had it. I mean, a lot of the great athletes, all my heroes, they they never had any of that stuff. And um, and I think, well, would it have been a limitation for them too or would they have been better? You know, I, I'm not sure. Um so, no, I'm, I'm still undecided whether, whether I would have been better. Yeah. But I don't think I would have enjoyed the sport as much, uh, for sure, with all, with all that data, all that noise, you know, coming into my head. I,
0: just more fun to just go out and ride, run, and swim. Yeah, and listen to Kenny, you know. Listen oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> training partners. Kenny Souza, was he the best? Yeah, Kenny was the best, no doubt. Entertaining, uh, right? Just talking yeah. about anything.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I, I didn't have to race him, really. Uh, right. So there was, it was just, I, I'm helping him, he's helping me, and we don't have to go out and fight over money on the weekend, you know? Um, but mostly he was just entertaining, you know? It was just a lot of fun.
0: I love it. Hey, thanks, you guys, for taking so much time and chatting. It's, a, it's always fun to catch up with you guys.
2: You, t- you too, Bob. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it's fun. Ironman Hall of Famers, Scott Molina and Aaron Baker. We're brought to you by the PTO, the Pro Triathletes Organization, and by Amp Human, VeloFix, Norma Tech, Form Goggles, You can and our Challenged Athletes Foundation. Thanks, you guys. Stay healthy.